0: If so I got anybody that has anything to do with any student-athletes out here, um, they're just kids. And um, they're going to develop, but that shit better be fun. And you got to keep their attention, because if you don't, man, they're going to go down the wrong road of like just not wanting to play anymore, be demotivated, have a fear of failure, and they're going to be gun-shy. The views expressed on this podcast are those of individuals involved and do not reflect the views of the government agency or military service. This podcast... Is an independent effort with no government association. You are listening to Barack Talk, Willowick's Health and Fitness Podcast. You know it's Barack Talk. You know it's rock Talk. You know it's Barack Talk. You know it's Barack Talk. You know it's Barack Talk. You know it's hot. It's Talk. You know it's Barack Talk. You know it's Barack Talk. You know it's Another episode with I chit chat so, so kick your feet up and just sit back. Welcome to another episode. This Ash is back. Welcome to the show and I'm glad you're back. Thanks yeah. for showing up. Hey, how's it going? Hope everybody's doing just fine. It's a, it's a Tuesday and it's cold again. Last weekend was great. So, if you remember, let's um, see, uh, Saturday got super warm. It chilled off during the evening. I was able to get out and get some golf in with my son Clay. And then um, Sunday was also very warm. Uh, a little wet, but you know, in Northeast Ohio, you know, 40 degrees is a warm day this time of year, you know. Looking forward to summertime. Maybe get a little bit of. Um, Color to my skin. But uh, today, I'm Brock Talk. I wanted to chit chat just a little bit about something I think is overlooked on a daily basis um, that I wanted to touch on today. And that is youth sports, youth athletics, athleticism. How does a kid get good at a sport? What does it take, and all that stuff? Uh, turns out that it takes more than what um, more than what you can do actually in the allotted amount of time at like a sports practice for example I'd say usually you know sports practices run from an hour to an hour and a half and they're generally um, ran in such a manner that you know the the actual you know techniques of the sport are the main focus and you know there may be like a beginning portion of like stretching or like a warm-up and then you jump right into you know the majority of the time doing technique style stuff which is absolutely fine you know you have a limited time that you're with your team Um, so as a coach you know, you have more on your mind than um, the, the biggest thing on your mind is technique and things like that. But what if I was to tell you that a lot of the things that are taught on some sort of sports field or arena or whatever you want to call really depend on... You know, the muscular systems and the nervous system working together to create coordination in order for you know your little student athlete to be able to do these specific um, training techniques that you're trying to teach. And a lot of the reasons why you say, Well, that kid's not coordinated, or this kid, you know, that kid can't do that, you know, you hear the parents on the sidelines, or you know, it's in the back of your mind. A lot of the reason why is because. They're not, they're not coordinated because they've never um, developed the motor skills in order to create the ability to do whatever technique is being taught to them. So, I think what you can do to help your child along, or your your student athlete along, is to. You know Kind of break down the basics You know And a good example That I'm going to use Is um, A baby So If you're listening To this podcast And You're interested in You know Developing your youth athlete Better Then this is for you Because You understand The stages Of a child Better than Anybody Because you have one Potentially And so you know that if a baby came and hold his head up, right? Then slowly after that, you know, they they began to kinda of do what sort of like a push-up, you know, they lift their arms up off the ground, their back's kinda of still, their hips are still on the on the floor, laying on their belly. And then they're able to get up onto their knees and like do like a push themselves up onto their knees. What I'm getting at is, eventually they're able to walk and they run around, and then that's when all, all the uh, chaos happens within your house, and you have to really pay attention to childproofing. But the point is, is that naturally, on their own, babies are developing themselves, not only to in the strength measures in order to be able to hold their head up and, and stuff like that, but in order to walk, how many times does a kid fall? You know. First, they hold on for balance and things like that. That's all stability work, folks. There's there's strength involved, but once they develop that strength, they also have to, you know, recruit um, all of the muscles involved with walking. Not only that, but the, neuro, the neuromuscular system, meaning like, you know, your nervous system and your muscles working together all as one, creating coordination to be able to even walk, right? So why is it that, you know, when we're teaching these students a new technique that we just expect them to have the neuromuscular capacity and that if they can't do it, they're failing and they have to try again and again and again and again and again. Well, listen, they're not going to get it. They might not be strong enough to do what you're asking them to do. To get into the business you're asking them to get, they might have... Weak hamstrings for example they can't run you know, if a kid can't run you know there's specific like things you can do in order to combat that one would be to you know have him run it more that'll work out some of the kinks but you know um, you know strengthening the hamstrings through like some body weight exercises and stuff would absolutely you know help them and another thing is balance you know. How many student athletes can you have stand on one leg and like, you know, bend their knees a little bit and just hold that position? If the answer is your athlete can't do it, then that kind of takes them out of uh, some of the capabilities of being able to perform some of the techniques during practice. So if I was to develop a workout plan for a student athlete, which I do 100% believe in kids working out, not with dumbbells, maybe with dumbbells, depending on the exercise and depending on the uh, skill level and like their form and stuff like that. But with body weight, absolutely a, a student can perform a plank and get better at that, hold it for longer, and the longer you can hold a plank, the theoretically, the stronger your core is. And the stronger your core is, the, the, the better, um, <laughs> Ability you have to be able to recruit from a lower body to upper upper body um, and Generate force that way and things like that. So any type of throwing motions and things like that, you know So, you know, I would say planks push-ups sit-ups, but only if they can do one um, but things that they definitely can do are squats and squats are a great way to um, kind of recruit all the, all the muscles um, upper and lower body um, if performed correctly. Um, a lot of kids, they can't even, you know, um, they're not even strong enough to do a bodyweight squat uh, correctly. Or maybe they are, but they need to, um, they have muscular imbalances. So it may, um, if you recall my first couple episodes of Brock Talk, we uh, spoke about myofascial release and rolling the um, using a foam roller to kind of roll out muscles and things. Um, If your kid can't get into a squat position, meaning, you know, uh, they're standing straight up, feet shoulder-width apart, and um, they kick their butt back and sit kind of into a position, almost like sitting into a chair, where their back has like a a little bit of an angle to it. and their knees kind of push out as they go down. Knees, knees should track pretty much over the toe, like in line with the feet, not necessarily over the toes. And then um, when they say it's a parallel, it's, you know, your hips are in a straight line uh, with your knees, that's parallel, so that's the depth that you're looking for. If your student athlete um, can perform that, do, you know, three sets of 10 of that, Three times a week. That's going to make them strong. They'll be able to jump better. Um, that's going to help with any type of throwing motion as well. Um, and it really just recruits a lot of muscles and makes like your posterior chain, meaning like kind of the back of your body all the way from the, you know, the heels of your feet all the way up through your back. Um, it kind of works that all those muscles out, and it it requires them to kind of work together. Which um, is definitely something we want. We want that neuromuscular efficiency, you know. And the only way you're going to do it is to, is to exercise offline. I a mean, not at the practice. You don't have time for it at the hour-long practices, you know. So I'd say you know do a 30-second plank. Um, do push-ups starting from the knees. The key is form. And um, all of these uh, exercises are available over at my. Um, Facebook website. I made some YouTube videos. Um, I initially made them for uh, my son's baseball team uh, during the shutdown. But they're absolutely, you know, good for any any athlete of any sport. Um, they're specific for baseball, but you know. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. attention coaches powerlifters, athletes bodybuilders gym goers of all abilities and skill level, skill level i've been in the fitness game for 15 years and i'm a certified personal trainer and certified nutrition coach through the national academy of science medicine i approach fitness and helping others from a very practical brass tack standpoint if you or someone you know ages 6 to 60 is interested in free consultation workouts or nutrition plan immediately dm me on at brockopolis or email me at brockopolis.com Work with me now while it's free and still a hobby. Follow me on Instagram, at Brockopolis, and join my Facebook group, Barak Talk Talk. Seriously, I'm putting myself out there. So if you want some free advice, some free information, reach out to me. I'm ready to go. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Yeah, it's Brock Talk. Brock Talk. Brock Talk. All of this is going be helpful for any, it's going to be helpful for any sport. So, those would be kind of strength exercises that we just touched on: um, the plank, squats, push-ups from the knees, and then eventually, um, you know, a regular push-up. Those are great strength exercises. But another thing that we have to think about is plyometrics, so or reactive. Um, so, how how are you? Is, does your body absorb shock, for example? So. Jumping off of a box and landing, maintaining balance, that's, that's a plyometric exercise, okay? Jumping onto a box and landing, maintaining balance, that's a plyometric exercise. Jumping with one foot, landing on on the same foot or opposite foot, those are all um, like shock-absorbent type of exercises that Will make you more efficient with like speed agility quickness drills um, That you need for most sports, you know, I don't I can't think of a sport where you don't need to be able to You know Land on one foot and respond and and move in a different direction in a quick manner. I mean that's in every sport so to, To practice that on the side as part of like a daily workout that takes 30 minutes tops And then maybe a little bit of cardio after you know, any mode, any modality of cardio, whether it be a light jog or something like that, all the way up to maybe some sprint work. Um, and if you did that two, three times a week, um, you're gonna see change, I, I promise you. And I just think that it's something that's lacking in youth sports. You have um, a lot of dads that aren't familiar with maybe why someone can't get into that position during the practice. Or why you know they're having issues, and a lot of it's just they're not strong enough, or they're not coordinated enough because they haven't practiced it. It's not the child's fault. Um, the worst thing you can do is discourage them in a way of um, you know kind of making them feel like failures because they're incapable of completing the technique drill, um, because that puts a sour taste in their mouths for the whole entire sport. Believe it or not. Um, I know for instance My son He's into baseball pretty hardcore And and hockey Um, Huge into hockey He's not into those sports um, Because I put him in there He's into those sports because he He wanted to play them And it was a step up from what he was doing Around the house Um, A lot of what we would do just for fun Around the house Is play sports you know It's something that I can, um, you know, that we had in common. Like, I enjoyed growing up. I played sports as well. I was big into basketball. I'm living vicariously through him because in the Ohio Valley we didn't really have hockey. Um, So we used to play a lot of pond hockey. And I used to play a lot of street hockey, but nothing, like, formal or organized. Um, So we would play around the house all the time, you know. So I'm like, man, I got to get this kid out on the ice. Like, he would love it. I knew he was going to love it. Um, Big shout-out to Nick Coma, Bobby Coma, and gang um, from the Lake Erie Panthers Association in Euclid. Um, Hands down, the most um, family-oriented, like, wholesome hockey club in the area, in my opinion, Um, where you're just part of the family as soon as you walk through the doors, and then they hand you a uniform, and you just feel, like, so loved by the whole entire community by the whole entire association, but anyhow, um, where was I going with that thought? Was that um, when it, when he went under that ice? They have a program there. It's called Try Hockey for Free. You got all they got all the gear. You don't have to buy anything. I don't even think we even had to pay. Like we just went out there and tried it out, and then from there, like if we wanted to, we could we could sign up, and then we still borrowed the gear for the rest of the week or the rest of the time. Um, So we didn't have any money out of pocket besides like, you know, pretty much splitting the cost of ice time, which I think for the rest of, I think we started in December, and at the end of it, it was like, I don't know, maybe maybe 150 bucks. And it went for like four months. Which was sweet. But, you know, putting him onto that ice, um, man, his eyes lit up and he loved it. And he's been at it for three years, and he's really progressed, but, his initial love for it came from playing him, you know what I mean? And I don't want to take that away from him. I feel like, you know, if the only time that um, a youth athlete does the sport is out on the field, and uh, sometimes parents maybe feel like it's a nuisance to get them to the practice and things like that, they put like a bad vibe on it. It's going to make them not want to do it, you know. And then once they get onto that field, if you have a bad coach, that puts, like, negative thought into their head or fear of failure and stuff like that into a student athlete's mind. They're not going to want to play that sport no more, you know. So I never really coached Clay anything. Like, I give him pointers and stuff like that, but I keep it light at home, you know. We play all the time. We got a, I got a baseball field in my backyard, you know got to use different balls now because he can hit it over the fence and then we got to go around and get it all the time or the neighbors throw them back over but um, all the balls but you know the point is is they're still kids they're not it's not MLB training camp every time or um, NBA or NFL training camp every time you know they're outside with a ball in their hand, and you're with them. You don't have to coach them and yell at them and tell them they're doing it wrong. You're going to screw up what good thing they have going. Because let me tell you from experience not that my father did anything wrong. Um, I think I was just done, I was burnt out, and I lost desire. Actually, I got more into like girls and <laughs> when I was in like ninth grade. I kind of was dating this girl and I kind of realized that if I spent less time on a ball field or a court, I'd have more time to spend with her and I just got my driver's license and I just, uh, I think it all kind of boiled down to, like the coach was kind of putting negative thought in my mind. Uh, I I wasn't performing as well. I wasn't, I wasn't meeting my expectations for myself. And um, you know, I just I threw in the towel. I gave up my freshman year on all sports, and I was a year-round athlete. Man, I played basketball, dove right into baseball from that season, and then uh, and then football. Football and basketball overlapped. I you know, but I was able to make both practices in the, in the fall time. But um, it went from like being like you know a pretty good athlete in shape you know to nothing I dropped it all and it was it was kind of because of you know I found out what girls were all about and um, and also because you know I jumped onto a team that didn't have coaches that inspired me it didn't have coaches that motivated me had coaches that kind of demotivated me um, at that age we weren't lifting weights or doing any anything and I do remember we did do a lot of um, conditioning and stuff like that, but um, it was just a lot of, hey, let's murder our team type of stuff. It wasn't getting you strong, um, per se. It was like just bear crawls up hills. Like the worst thing, like the worst type of conditioning you could imagine, that's what they did because they thought that's how you made your team strong. You know, If I got anybody that has anything to do with any student athletes out here, um, they're just kids. And um, they're gonna develop, but that shit better be fun. And you gotta keep their attention because if you don't, man, they're gonna go down the wrong road of like just not wanting to play anymore, be demotivated, have a fear of failure, and they're gonna be gun-shy. Um, you know, if you're just constantly after them, constantly after them, they're gonna be concerned more about messing up and disappointing whoever's you know, trying to coach them than they are about actually just getting out there and, and playing naturally. So um, yeah I'm at work that, that's my talk for today um, speed agility quickness drills, ladder drills, you know cone drills, uh, ice skaters these are all just great great tools that you can use to make your athlete capable of being successful with some of the practices, um, the drills in practice and you know being being able to do what's called upon them to do during games so I don't think I'm done with this uh, conversation But uh, I am done for today I appreciate you listening And um, yeah, follow me on Facebook I got a new, I I changed it up Like I'm not doing the uh, Brock Talk group anymore I just switched everything over to um, a Facebook um, profile Called Brockopolis Since I like the functionality better I'm working that gate code. I uh, I just like the functionality of being able to do it on the Facebook page a little better. And I I'll post those uh, those workouts for anybody that wants to do them themselves. I mean, honestly, they're good. They're good for like any type of athlete. Like even if you're <laughs> my 40 years old and still get out there and try to play sports now and then, um, they'll keep you in shape. But um, absolutely for for kids and stuff, you know, it, it works on balance. It works on, you know, like I was saying, plyometrics, you know, being able to to balance and, and shift direction quick, you know, so um, let me know what you think. Let me know what your questions, comments, and concerns are over there on the Brockopolis page. Reach out to me on Instagram at at Brockopolis. And this has been another Brock Talk. I hope to hear from you soon, peace.